0: Oh, ora koutou, Welcome back to another edition of the Department of Conversation with me, Pat Britton, and we've been making sweet, sweet love in your ear holes since 2018. Hey, if you're someone who would like to get on board and support us, today's episode is brought to you in part by our Patreon. Head to patreon.com forward slash the D-O-C-N-Z, or if you're an American listener, patreon.com forward slash the D-O-C-N-Z, because... You guys talk funny. Um, and yeah, we, we make this ourselves, we fund ourselves and if you're interested in perhaps getting on board and financially supporting us in a tiny, tiny small way, then we'd love to have you as a patron. Hey, today today's podcast is with Jory Micah. Uh, now, Jory is an American minister, a pastor, a church leader who kind of fights a good fight in America because there are some crazy people who think that sort of women should sort of sit down and shut up and not have the same input as uh, a lot of men have in that church world Jory is also very very active in the political world certainly and in in opinion wise has a lot of thoughts around the election uh, cycle and also the particular president right now so of course my two favorite subjects religion and politics how could I not have a good chat with Jory Micah enjoy And we are live and live streaming all the way to uh Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh Pirates cap on with Jory Micah. Hey Jory. Right.
1: Hey there. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no, it's an absolute pleasure. Just confirming all of that, uh we were for people obviously who weren't in my bedroom with me. Um <laughs> right before we got on, I was just double checking the location because um, although I l- love following American news and American politics, it is a bit confusing with sometimes the, you know, the abbreviations for the states. Me being Maine, I've never really understood that one, and Ma yeah. being Maryland. Maryland. Um, but you're you're you are in Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh. That's, that's yeah, correct. like about
1: thirty minutes south of Pittsburgh.
0: So I thought I'd better I by people know. I know,
1: represent it, I people, love it. People <laughs> know
0: that I, I like wearing caps. So I thought I'd. Oh, in fact, I was gonna. I was gonna tell you um, before we started, but keep the powder dry. Um, I was talking to a a poker pro out of Las Vegas a couple of days ago. <clears throat> Part of my voice. I've, i mean, i only just recently got out of bed. Um, I was talking to a poker pro, and the same thing happened. Okay. I was wearing. I was wearing a Dodger. I was wearing a Dodgers cap, and he went, "Oh, so you're a Dodgers fan?" I went, "Oh, I like baseball. It's. It's kind of more follow the sport." You know, rather than having a particular team, and I like wearing caps. And uh, then he told me he was a Giants fan, so I felt I felt, and, and the Dodgers were the enemy. So I felt it was appropriate for the conversation that I take the Dodgers cap off and put. I think I put a Houston Astro, Astros cap on.
1: Absolutely. You should probably just go change your whole
0: outfit and put all Pittsburgh gear on like right now. Well, what have I got on? I've got a <laughs> monkey garage. A monkey garage t shirt on as well. So I'm I'm fully <laughs> I'm, full, I'm fully American decked out today, actually, out of interest. Not not necessarily for you, but I hope I hope it makes you feel a bit at home as the accent will not so <clears throat> I do
1: like the accent, so it's really cool.
0: Thanks. I don't have an accent, you have an accent. So now we're even now <laughs> I'll say that. Hey, um, I we were going to talk on Easter Sunday, um, and couldn't yeah. couldn't connect in the end, which is which is cool. I got to sleep in, um, because I follow you on Twitter and on the socials, and you're someone who intrigues me and interests me a lot. You're involved in the church world in America. Actually, just tell us. I mean, I mean, rather than me trying to clumpily explain you badly. Uh, who, is, who is Jory Micah? If you are explaining, the, what we do with this podcast, the reason it's called the Department of Conversation is I try and say to guests, and often we do have a beer, but we're not in my studio, is imagine we're meeting at, a meeting at the pub on a Friday night. We've got a beer and we're having a chat. That's sort of the vibe of it. So we've met at the pub on a Friday night. I go, oh, you're interesting. I like your accent. Um, what? Tell me about you. So tell us about you. How would you describe yourself? Who are you?
1: Um, who am I? Gosh, that's such a deep question. Because <laughs> I every time, every time you say, like every time I'm asked that, my immediate response is to want to tell you what I do.
2: Sure. You know,
1: and I know it's different, but for me, I don't know. I think I was almost born a minister. You know, like I was playing with my baby dolls um, and preaching to my baby dolls as like a toddler. My dad's a minister, so right. it's not that crazy that I would do that. But um, I just kind of carried out that, I don't know, like a, a ministerial behavior. Like my my dad, I think I grew up in this very religious bubble, to be honest, well, of conservative, charismatic, evangelical, American world. Um, and I'll say that again. <laughs> conservative, evangelical, um american republican um just total like bubble i mean i was i was raised in it it, more on the pentecostal side of things than the baptist side of things right um so i was born into it um and i think because i was such a humanitarian at heart um and all i ever really saw was examples of ministry i think that's kind of why i went into that field like if my dad would have been maybe a social worker Mm. i might have followed him right into that field
0: sure the family-run business so to speak
1: right so like it's it it fit with my humanitarian heart kind of thing um and that's all i really ever knew Mm -hmm. and so i um my dad actually picked my college for me because right not because like he was controlling or anything but because i i was terrible at school um and like i told you earlier i had mad adhd and i've had it since i was a kid um and i it made me hate school like i hated school i never thought i was smart um it, it took me a very until now it took until a lot of people telling me that i'm an intelligent person to overcome those feelings of um, inferiority growing up because I had something wrong with me wrong with me sure that um, at those days it was just there was no you know extra help for kids that had ADHD mm-hmm. and I was just always misunderstood like all, like always at least that's how I felt throughout most of my life I felt misunderstood. And that's, my parents um, are amazing parents, but they also, they were not, they're they're skeptical of science, you know, in a lot of ways. Right. They love, it's weird because my mom, she loves science in a lot of ways, but she's very skeptical of ADHD and doctors and, um, you know, all of those things in general. And I think, like, she was resistant towards you know looking in a direction of getting help for adhd D- does you know, that and, and does that
0: also does that also come back in the religious uh world for people you know a lot of people who perhaps go down the um, belief system of creationism over evolution that's sort of a big hurdling. that's a big step because if you if you fight in general, not necessarily specifically about your parents, but in general, if you fight this notion that you know science says unequivocally that evolutionary um, the evolutionary path is the most likely path, if you fight that because you 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 know follow a belief that the world was created in seven days or seven time periods or whatever, then you're already sort of in the camp of oh I don't know about the science thing. Is it is it likely it stems from that sort of area? Not not that I'm trying to paint your parents with an you know all-knowing brush but that's what i've experienced with church people if it it starts here it then flows on
1: my parents would very much say that they're creationists and and i think that that and i don't want to speak for them but i think a lot of people um that are creationists are, are starting to come to a conclusion that um maybe evolution is real maybe Even there was a big bang, but God still made it all happen. Right. So I think that that, that's kind of, you know, probably where they land now, you know, where I don't think they really, but they certainly would deny that we come from from monkeys and apes. Right. My parents would not subscribe to that at all. And I don't subscribe to that either. I don't really believe that either, mm-hmm. um, to be honest. But to be honest, I'm not. I'm not very like science. I don't know a lot about evolution. I had ADHD in high school, so I didn't pay attention in <laughs> biology class. And I have. I don't know a lot about that subject, to be honest. Um, I was only ever really taught creationism.
0: Yeah. All right. Which, so,
1: and, um, so does that mean you did life, you
0: did you go through like a a religious schooling system a christian schooling system or was that the was that what was taught in lots of schools in your area
1: i went to public school most of my life but um i i re- really a str- well i didn't i took on my parents beliefs at that age in a really strong way because that was my you know that's just who i am you know like i whatever i believe at that point i'm going to be really strong-willed about it so by the time i reached high school i had gained quite a reputation of being a very outspoken christian right and so i actually would have teachers kind of pick on me i like well like you know jory doesn't believe in science or evolution um in high school Mm -hmm so like it was like i was kind of but i didn't really know anything about either side of it to be honest like i just like took on i i believed strongly in god and you know so i took on a lot of my parents beliefs like any kid does sure and so i i would i would have I think now I probably would have handled that situation a lot differently, and you know, I would be a lot more open to understanding the science and all that.
0: But but as a child, that's what we do. I mean, it's 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 probably you probably just tie yourself up in knots going as a, a you know fully formed whatever the hell that means adult. Looking back as a child, I'd do things differently. But you know, I was talking to someone the other day. We have much like in America, we have two dominant uh, political parties here in New Zealand. One's called National who is our GOP, so to speak, mm-hmm. and one called Labour, who is our Democrats. Although in America, your left wing, like Bernie Sanders is more a Labour type person than, okay. your your left wingers are our centre-right, centre believe it or not. So your right wingers are our far right. So in other words, your GOP would sit on the far-right in New Zealand and your um, your Democrats would be centre-to-centre-right. So our Labour Party being on the left is more like, where your progressives would sit, although probably somewhere between Bernie and, you know, the, I guess, mainstream uh, Democrats. But I was, I was talking to someone the other day, a comedian, and he was talking about, you know, I was a national voter, meaning I voted on the, the right for New Zealand. I was a national voter because my parents were a national voter. Well, of course you are. I mean, m- much like any you know, I was a I we, our, we're rugby as our primary sport, in New Zealand, and I was an Auckland supporter because my dad was an Auckland supporter. Um, that's the rugby team I followed, you know. So uh, of course, you, if yeah. you, 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 as a child, you, you do what your parents do, and and you know, much like I now live in the bottom of the South Island. So I, I, although I appreciate my upbringing, and I, I now support Otago because this is where I live and this is where I choose to follow. And the comedian I was talking to now votes Labour because as he becomes an adult his views evolve and change why would we think there's any difference in our religious beliefs
1: exactly yeah we do we and i've changed tremendously from my parents point of view since trump came into office yeah. um, almost four years ago um to be honest our gop is is far right now
2: yeah. you know like yep.
1: they're they're actually um far right and and our Democrats are pretty centrist now, and Bernie Sanders would be our far left yeah. in North America. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. very similar to what you were just saying about where you're at. It's very similar, and I I think that's actually going on globally. Like a lot of a lot of global societies in general seem to be heading towards far right and authoritarian values not just in america but you know kind of across the globe Uh you know we're seeing a lot of authoritarians rise up and a lot of people that i don't know it's like people are desperate for leadership in a way that they want people to i don't know it's almost like a god you know like people want politicians to be their god and to be yeah. their savior and it's just it it gets kind of weird, you know, and it's kinda gotten weird with Trump and in the white evangelical world because we're all like I mean it was what I think it was around eighty four percent of white evangelicals that voted for Donald Trump. So yeah. we've got maybe roughly twenty percent of white evangelicals that are that are like me that are like what in the world like we trump is everything we were taught not to vote for absolutely in white evangelical christianity like just family values alone you know like the man's been married what three times he has kids to all kinds of wives he's cheated on his wife um with a porn star while his wife was pregnant um (laughs) he obviously has admitted to sexually assaulting women um, and he doesn't really even care, you know, and it's just weird. Cause it's like, almost like the, the world is willing to look past bad character. And now the church that I grew up in that mm-hmm. taught me never look past bad character, start with morals. You know, that's where you start with that same group of people are now saying well trump was chosen by god look how he's you know talks about god all the time you know and brings christians into the white house my my high school, or my college roommate the, the school i went to was christ for the nations in dallas her name's carrie Job. i don't know if you ever heard of her but she's like yeah, a the, celebrity like, worship leader
0: yeah the nine rings a bell
1: yeah, she's, she's globally known, you yeah. know, Love Winner and all that. She's an amazing, amazing person, to be honest, but she was invited to the White House, mm. and she went. And I've never seen her get involved in politics before. This is the only time I've ever seen her even do anything involved. And, you know, they had her on video with her husband saying all the wonderful things that's going on at the White House and the prayer and the all that like just all the worshiping and prayer and you know trump's bringing god back to america kind of vibe you hmm. know and but meanwhile he is the opposite of everything that we were ever taught is good and holy and true of and right and just of course you know? So why are people compromising like this it is so weird to me
0: well i i think um I don't know exactly how far we are away, but probably we speak in kilometres. You speak in miles. We're probably ten to fifteen thousand miles away from you. From this distance, I can give you a perspective. I think, especially because mm-hmm. I have been involved in the church world as well, basically all my life. Grew up Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of went away from the church. Sort of came back and and started to get involved to get in my in my twenties. Um, and I and I think th- there's a couple of things. You you're exactly right and. Everyone in the world and political world sees this a lot at the moment. And the Democrats are going through this a little bit at the moment. So what the evangelical right has done is they've set themselves up a bar. They've set themselves up a a, a, a criteria for what is mm-hmm. acceptable. And Trump goes completely against that. So they're basically voting against, as you say, their own history of what is okay. But right. you can see at the moment on the other side that what's happening with the Democrats at the moment and the Joe Biden um sexual assault allegation is that they're doing exactly the same thing you know when christine blasey ford came out joe biden himself said believe all women and the democratic machine got behind christine blasey ford and said this person is credible we need to hear them out they need to be public and so they themselves set the criteria for how we respond to women with sexual allegation you know allegations and now that it's against their nominee they're going against their own so it seems to be something that happens everywhere. But the yeah. uh the evangelical right one in at the moment, in my opinion, could be I've I've heard several theories, but the one that seems to feel like it makes makes most logical sense, it's anyone as long as they're as long as they espouse to be pro life. Um and right. if they and if they tie themselves to that that one um item that one uh you know ideology then we forgive everything else yeah and from looking at the history of american politics back in the 1960s when sort of the republicans and the democrats kind of swapped sides you know it's it's well publicized that the 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 democrats were kind of the party of the racists back in the 50s and 60s and then segregation kind of ended and the south was sort of freed up a bit and then everyone who was supporting the dems went to the republicans um, there were people who at that time, and when I say people, I'm, I'm talking about people I've spoken to and commentators I've spoken to about their parents, who as soon as kind of politics changed, the one thing they got them to change from the Democrats to the Republicans was the pro-life issue, because all of a sudden it switched around. And I think evangelical, the evangelical right in America, um, from sitting back here and watching, that seems to be an all-encompassing issue that if you espouse to be pro-life, we will support you no matter what. And I honestly right. think that that's a huge part of it. And it's one of the things that I think the church has tied itself up in knots about so much that these are the kinds of problematic things that possibly come from it. Now, I'm not saying that to tilt down people who are pro-life. Um, but no, no, I get what
2: you're saying. But I
0: think it's been... It's all the, I was going to say, so much weight has been put on it. Um, but what right. I would say is all of the weight... Of political decision-making for a voter who is in the evangelical right has been put on that one issue that everything else comes second and then following on from that of course you've got then the um, things like uh, tax breaks and you know economic things but I think it starts in my opinion with that pro-life vote
1: yeah um yeah it's it's a strong I mean if you're raised in I mean you were raised in Catholic world so it's the same Mm -hmm. you know if you're raised in a catholic or the evangelical world and i'll just stop there i don't because i don't know who else but Mm -hmm. um you know you're taught from birth that abortion is murder period end of story yep um and that is the political i don't know about catholicism but for evangelical world at least white evangelical world that is the issue yeah period like and i totally agree like it always comes back and i will say that belief in me um and i'm still pro-life but that the belief that i can never be anything but a republican because only the republicans are pro-life that belief was so difficult for me to break that it really took the election of Trump for me to stop because I was still a Republican at that point. Wow. And to be honest, I didn't really care about it politics that much. You know, like I was kind of just following my family's lead. You know, my dad doesn't really care about politics that much, but my mom's conservative Republican and I was just kind of following her political lead that's the only thing I ever really knew and then I married my husband 10 years ago who was one of the first Christian Democrats that I ever met (laughs) but uh you know as he slowly tried to convince me to become a Democrat like I would always I was always much more inspired by the Democratic Party but I just couldn't go there like because I had to stay in the pro-life party or I'm a murderer
2: but,
0: but that's that, that's exactly what I'm saying I mean uh, uh, the, I mean I think no matter whether people believe or don't believe in any kind of religious I, 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 I think that conversation can be problematic at times but what I think is not problematic is saying that the, the things that the the character of Jesus actually taught you know his lessons if you just talk about him as a teacher and a person who put out uh, you know how to do things, if we talk about that jesus i i actually comfortably say there's there's if, if he was going to be in any political party which he probably wouldn't but if he was he'd be voting democrat that's where the people mm-hmm. look after the widows and orphans that's where the people look after those lesser you know that's where that's where the whoever the lepers in society are today you know find find their feet it's it's not the other side so it's it's just so fascinating to me, I love, I, I, I inject American politics intravenously, you know, yeah, I, I, I probably I probably follow thank it you. more closely than I follow my own um, political world a little bit. And part of it is because, you know, you talk about the world kind of heading towards the, the right or what is called now maybe the alt-right. That's not us. Like we have a, um, a left-wing female prime minister in our country um, who is polling through the roof at the moment because, because of what's going on with coronavirus, uh, we have a we have a system of um, politics called MMP, mixed member proportional. So we actually have we actually have five I think it is five political parties in government right now. So wow. technically, what the US sort of has three they've got the Democrats, they've got the Republicans, and they've got one or two independents. But we've got right. a- actual five parties. On the far left, we've got the Green Party, who have maybe ten MPs. We have about 120 MPs. So we have a um, we don't have a president. So our Prime Minister can't sort of make all the law. We have parties, and the parties choose the way of the direction under the leadership of the Prime Minister. So we have Mm -hmm. on the far left, as I will describe it, we have the Green Party, which has got maybe 10 or 12 MPs, which as you'll be aware from the name, kind of started off as the Ecology and the Environment Party. We have the Labour Party, which would be described as sort of centre left. That's our current Prime Minister coming from there. We have a, a, a party which is in the centre, um, called New Zealand First, and I think they might have seven or eight MPs. Um, and they are, uh, gosh, old people vote for them. That's probably the unfair way to say it, but that's what it is. On the right, we have what is our singularly biggest party, which is the National Party. Um, they probably have 50 MPs. Um, and then we have on the far right, a party called ACT, and they have one MP and they would be probably, he would sit quite comfortably in your GOP at the moment. Um, wow. But there's one. So it's got on on the sort of on the, on the center left to left, we have, you know, maybe 55 to 58 ministers of parliament on the right centre right we have about the same number then in the middle we have this party New Zealand First and they at the end of the election cycle last year, sorry last time, got to pick who would be government because they could have gone with the right guys and made the right people in charge or they could have gone with the left because they sit in the centre and for whatever reason probably because the leader of New Zealand First got offered the Deputy Prime Ministership, um, he chose to go with the left Um, and so that's what we have now, and I and it's fascinating that I read an article just yesterday talking about how the women leaders of the world, and I was talking about New Zealand and I think Iceland and certainly Germany with Angela Merkel, um, were the ones that were doing the best in this coronavirus yeah, situation.
1: I heard that.
0: Um, you know, I'm 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 a left wing voter. I mean, I'm happy to say that it's it's not a, I'm not a, not afraid or I don't hide that. So when I talk about our Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, who we all just call Jacinda. So it's not like it's not like Madam Prime Minister. It's like, oh, Jacinda. She's like um the previous Labour Prime Minister, her name was Helen Clark, who now works, I think, for the UN. Um, we all called her Auntie Helen. So she was the Prime Minister for the country and we just referred to her as Auntie Helen. You know, she'd bring in a policy and we go, Thanks, Auntie Helen. That was just how <laughs> we, we referred to them. So it's just Jacinda. Jacinda's only thirty-nine. So she it feels wrong calling her like Auntie, she's like everybody's sister, sort of thing.
1: yeah,
0: um and and in this term, which our terms are three years, literally in the term she's had a baby. um we um, had we had New Zealand's worst massacre where fifty one people were gunned down in Christchurch.
2: We've had
0: a volcano go off and kill a dozen people and we've had coronavirus, they've all happened in her first term and she's currently polling through the roof. So um, yeah, I think most New Zealand, and and the thing that's quite nice about you talking about, not nice that you're talking about it, but the the point that you're talking about going to the right is the leader of our right party, Simon Bridges, put out a post on his Facebook page the other day talking about the things that the, the left had done wrong in the coronavirus response and he got torn apart, and half the people that tore him apart were national voters, were right-wing voters, kind of going, Simon, I, his name's Simon Bridges, Simon, I vote for you, I vote national, but you're wrong in this, Jacinda's done an amazing job, and the whole country is thankful to her, so yeah, we will, we, we've got an election coming up this year as well, and... Under this mixed member proportional, which basically is, as it stands, you have a number of members of parliament and it's proportionally assigned dependent on the vote. Um, we've been running this system since the mid-90s. We've never had a party get more than 50%. So every government we've ever had has had to join with another party to get over the 50% threshold. Um th- Labour is currently polling over 50% and it's purely because of the coronavirus response. So it'll be really interesting here in New Zealand to see whether um, whether we uh, have our first ever majority government, which we've never had under the system. So, yeah, yeah that's sort of our, our political world. Um, and, yeah, the, the whole... Yeah, anyway, so that's that's where we sit. Well, but,
1: just, just with thought but... I'm pretty sure that in most polls in our system that Joe Biden is doing better mm-hmm. than Trump is doing. But I mean But he's not he,
0: but he's not doing better.
1: It's so confusing because there's so many mixed messages because Trump lies so much. Yep. And he wants to be friends with all sides. You know, he wants all sides to appreciate him. You know, but he, he, he's. I think one of the biggest. You mentioned Joe Biden earlier, and how, you know, we're going through the same things. But, you know, and I agree. I agree that the political system needs to hold him accountable. But I, I think with Trump, we're dealing with someone that is truly severely mentally deranged. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there's not. I've never seen anything like it to be honest. Like I've never seen any public figure behave the way he behaves. Yeah. From the very beginning, you know, like and it's it's just crazy. You know, it's crazy behavior every single day constantly. And we're just I think with Joe Biden it's like he's he has been accused of sexual assault by Tara Reid. Yep. And I, I, I think that the democratic party should say something about it. I think he should say something about it. I think that they need to take more responsibility. It's going to come up anyway, you know, like why not get ahead of it and and try to deal with it, you know, the best you can. But, and he has been accused of sexual assault or sexual harassment from, I think seven or eight women as well. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's something that they should definitely deal with. Um, I don't, I, I talked to a survivor about this, of sex, a survivor of sexual assault about this, um, because honestly I was like, what the heck do I do? Like as a, as a leader, like, you know, I feel responsible, you know, to, to, you know, to, to show where I'm going, to go the correct right way with who I vote for. You know, and I, I feel like, you know, how do I deal with this as a woman who, you know, obviously has a huge passion for, you know, women who have dealt with, you know, trauma mm-hmm. and who have been you know, used and abused and ignored and silenced. But it's like, I I don't, I kept struggling with it because I, I agree that it's very hypocritical, you know, for us just to uh, silence, you know, these women um after the whole cov what's his last name, Kavanaugh or whatever his name yeah, is.
0: Brett Kavanaugh.
1: Brett Kavanaugh, yeah, I always mess that up. But yeah, after all that, you know, we're not holding to our own standards, you know, if we don't demand more answers in this situation.
0: I think but I think that's the thing that I mean it's very easy to sit on the other side of the world, literally. And you know, I, I talk about counseling sometimes and I say how I think counseling, like having a therapist is important and I think everyone should have one. And the way I've described it okay. and people who listen to my podcast or watch the live streams will be sick of this because I've probably done it 10 times, is that we, we do rugby. So we'll, we'll talk about American football. So it's like your life is American football, right? So everything on the field is your life. Everything on the field is, um, you know, everything about your life. The thing about it is, you know um, the, the quarterback gets to see most things because he's sitting there looking up and he's looking over the whole field. But even that, if you look at, and I don't know all the positional names, but he doesn't even know really what's going on in that front scrimmage with the big boys crashing into each other. So he can't see everything on the field. He can't see what's behind him necessarily. He can't see it. but someone sitting in the stands, they sometimes can actually see and read the game better than the quarterback can they can actually see that the wide receiver is open when he's looking the other way so I often think about therapy or or counseling as someone sitting in the stands of my life looking down and being able to see things I can't see and I think the same can be said for things like politics and I think America is a perfect example that some of us outside of America can perhaps look in and see things and I, and I don't mean me I'm not trying to you know, big no, up me I and say, it.
1: it's but but the perspective outside of our own sort of bubble.
0: And and something I've thought about and written about of recent times is, um I forget his name. He's a French philosopher. But a French philo- philosopher said um, way back that we get the we get the government we deserve. And I wrote a piece recently, and I said okay. America, America deserves Trump. There's no question yeah. about it. After what last happened, last time with Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the DNC screwing over Bernie. Over um, Hillary, um, the DNC deserves Trump, and and the way to actually get past deserving candidates like Trump is to be a better country. America needs to be the country that doesn't deserve Trump, and the right, way exactly. and, and, Thank the, you. and the way to do that is not to now go back on all the things you stood for, Democrats, right. over the last eighteen months. And because it's your candidate and because it's your person who you want to be uh, president, then you uh, ignore everything you've said. The Washington Post won't report about it. you know right. the New York Times aren't talking about it. CNN aren't talking about it.
1: That's very weird, yeah
0: and, and they're not um and and yeah. the the way that you beat and I'm when I say beat Trump, I mean beat the idea of Trump being. You know part of the conversation or the next trump or the whatever is to be the country that doesn't deserve him and right. this is not how you do that so with the greatest of respect to america you said that biden's leading in all the polls most of the polls is true but at this time in the last cycle clinton was ahead by more in the polls
2: yeah. That's true.
0: so i i mean i've said several times that i Trump will probably win it's much harder to get out an incumbent than it is to you know get in for the first time uh the it feels like the only way that perhaps Trump will get knocked out is obviously he and the federal government are ballsing up this coronavirus thing something chronic and having your Cdc come out two days ago saying there's going to be a worse you know um, reinfection rate come winter time which is six months away that'll yeah. be right around election time so it's a red and horrible thing to say, but if a ton more Americans get sick and maybe heaps more die, maybe you'll get rid of Trump then, which is the wrong thing to be thinking, but it no, could but it's it could crazy. be the reality
1: you know, like my dad my dad's very uh, blunt with me, you know, and that's just how we talk to each other and and he was like, you know, why do you want dem Democrats to win so bad? like Trump's gonna win? I can tell you that right now. <laughs> And he's not even gonna vote for Trump, like so he's not being biased. Like he doesn't vote; he's not gonna vote for anyone, right? He doesn't like anyone, and he just doesn't really care that much, you know, about it. So, but anyhow, um, you know, I told him I was like, it's not really about the Dem Party, you know, about the fact that we, you know, have raising up these leaders you know, that have no character, and <laughs> that have no morals, morals and that we're, go- you know, being hypocrites, and, you know, and I honestly feel a sense of sadness and shame when we talk about it, because I'm ashamed that, you know, the Democratic Party could not get someone of high, high character, that we would not have any accusations at all, um, like, Bernie Sanders. He did not have one. Yeah. He has not had one person come out and say that he sexually assaulted or harassed them. Not that I know of, anyway.
0: The unfortunate thing is, is, I mean, I was a, uh, when I say a Bernie supporter, doesn't, I don't, I can't support him, you know, because I can't Uh, can't vote. I (laughs) I can't vote. It's got nothing to do with me, really. But looking from the outside in, you can just see that. The thing that America, and I can't talk about all Americans because you know, I sound ignorant like I know what I'm talking about, but the, the thing that America doesn't seem to understand en masse is that what Bernie was offering, the rest of the world has. Right. So healthcare is a perfect example. 18 months ago, my mum passed away from motor neuron disease. Um, three years, basically, that took three to four years. Uh, she had a bed that came in from Germany, she had uh, an electric wheelchair at the end that came from some other part of the world. Not one cent went out of my parents' bank account to cover her amazing care right up right. until the last kind of six months, which was there was quite a lot of care needed because right. that's what we do. If I if I walk out of this door when we finish talking and I trip over my big fat feet and break my knee mm-hmm. or break my ankle – then I go to A and E and I get service and I understand in America they will give you service because they have to by law. But then I walk out, no bill, no credit card, no nothing. It's it's paid for. And I think the thing that Americans, certainly the narrative misses, is I also have health insurance. So we have a we have a free system in New Zealand, but I also choose to purchase health insurance. Now some of us that can afford that do that. Some that don't have the free system and all it means is if for example uh, I needed a hip operation and it wasn't an emergency and it wasn't life and death I would go on a waiting list in New Zealand and it might be six months it might be a year to cost nothing I have health insurance that goes therefore if I want to go and get that I can just go and get that and my health insurance will cover it so the system we've got here and I hear uh, American right talking often about you know, the waiting, the queues and the lines of people in in you know Canada to get an operation. It's true, there's sometimes lines, but it would seem that the equivalent, let's say the equivalent person with a very low income in America, they don't even get a chance to get into a line because they can't afford the operation and don't have health insurance. At right. least the person in Canada or the person in New Zealand can get into a queue that at some stage they will be afforded the, you know the um, the hip operation or the the non urgent non emergency medical care, and and the rest of the world has that, and America seems to also be the, the one of the I, I will say, not with authority but based on opinion, the best Western country in the world at voting against its own self interest. Right. a lot of those oh, a lot of those sorry. Trump a lot of those Trump supporters are low income, right. you know um people living under the poverty line and it would be in theory, a, the Democrats are the ones that would be a, better to look after them. So that comes all the way back to this idea of why are they voting for them? And a lot of those people are religious and right. you, you come back to that other conversation.
1: It's Yeah. Cause these beliefs, they're, they're tied up in religion, you know, they're, they're, their politics and religion that have been tied up together. And that's been talked about for years and years and years, you know, like just drilled into, you know, our heads on, you know, all these conservative talk shows and televangelists and, you know, that used to be back in the day, you know, those were like people that had these huge followings and they were, they were on TV. And so they, they, spoke to the masses you know and they they really drilled in those beliefs yeah but at that by that point um it was already toxic because they were they were mixing it you know with trying to you know become important and wealthy and yeah. You know, and and a political leader themselves, and it's really difficult because, you know, it's like I I don't really know exactly the difference, you know, between someone like me, you know, who does, kind of kind of talks politics and religion and kind of mixes them, you know, between, but I don't know, like I think that that sometimes it can get very toxic. Yeah. So I don't I don't know where that line is. I guess you know, like. As a, as a younger leader, you know, I, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, should I even like, should I just throw my hands up in the air and say, you know, the heck with this, you know, like I'm just gonna go do, you know, Jesus somewhere and, you know, not be a hypocrite because it seems like if you're involved in politics at all, you're going to be a hypocrite at some point.
0: Let me, let me offer you something. And, and and the reason I'm speaking like um I, m- maybe I can help it's, it's the wrong words to use it as I've done a little bit in the past especially um I was talking to you before we started um, people can go to my my website patbrittenden.com, if they want to have a look um, but I I made a little resource for churches once called Elephant TV Elephant TV was asking the about talking about the elephants in the room you know that's the idea of Elephant TV and we made episodes based on controversial issues within the church and we looked at both sides of, acknowledging that there could be a multitude of sides we looked at both the most common sides of that issue um and we did one on uh, women in authority women mm. in leadership and you know some people think this and some people and um sarah one of the uh, women who was speaking as someone who says well of course a woman can be a leader You know, Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous to think anything else. Um, She told me stories about a lot of her American friends, a lot of her American pastor or minister friends used to try and get her to come across and speak over there. Because in America, and this is one of the reasons I follow you and you'll be able to attest to this, there is still quite a heavy influence of, you know, no women can't say that or women can't speak that or women can't do that within the church setting. And it's nuts, obviously. Obviously it's nuts. So I... I I look at that and I've been around those conversations and I wonder if there's a perspective I can offer some of the people that follow you that might be a bit freeing in that particular situation. And it's about the pro-life pro-choice thing. And the biggest thing is, and this is what I do. And I guess I'm, I'm, I don't often do this, but I guess I'm going, I'm happy to put myself out there there as an example, because perhaps some of the people who follow you and maybe will watch this and there are people on, I'm looking at my YouTube feed right now watching this and, and uh, what are likely people who have found us through your site is maybe I can offer a perspective that might be helpful in those areas of being concerned about being a hypocrite and it comes down to the pro-life thing and it's this drop the labels and stop being so tribal the the people talk about being pro-life and pro-choice and I'm someone who's been involved in the church for a very long time you know, my whole life like I said earlier and it's it's expected that if you're a church person you're pro-life drop the labels, and stop being tribal. The term pro-life and the term pro-choice these days are political statements. Yeah. They're actually not to do with the original idea about them. They've been co-opted, and they've become political statements. Pro-life means uh, right-wing fundamentalist. I, I, I'm, I, am a, I am extrapolating here a little bit, but in general, pro li- uh, pro-choice pro means uh, women's rights, da 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 So, when people ask me that question, they go, Well, aren't you involved? Aren't you supposed to be pro life? I say, No, no, no. I'm neither pro life nor am I pro choice. What I am is pro people. And when you're pro people, sometimes you sit in the camp with those that label themselves pro life, and sometimes you sit in the camp with those that label themselves pro choice. Move away from the labels and the tribes and the political terms, and it's incredibly freeing. It doesn't mean you have to go up any of your values, but it doesn't mean you have to abide by other people's decisions as to what they say that label means. And um, and then you can do it. And then you can be honest and open and free. And you can say, oh, I'm neither pro-life pro nor pro-choice. I'm pro-people. And you know what? In this instance, I think that that this group of people or this individual or this whatever is where I need to be. And, and going back to that conversation that we had way back when, if people have been with us from the start, when you look at you know religious teachings the teachings the stuff that jesus said the stuff that's in the red letters in the bible often um i I don't know if he would put himself in either of those camps i don't know if he would take on that label because the other thing that the rest of the world looks at and laughs if i'm honest with you about the american pro-life movement is the people who take on the american pro-life label are often I suspect perhaps not you, but are often also the ones that support Republicans, that support war, that support the death penalty, that right. are for incarceration, all of which are not pro-life stances. Right. They're right. the opposite. So what it seems... Gun, a,
1: usually gun lovers as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and and it seems that perhaps if they were to label themselves something it shouldn't be pro-life, it would be pro-life birth. Because they want to see babies be born... But once right. you're a baby, if they need food stamps, now nah, stuff you. You know what are you talking about? The government? No, the government can't rely. You know, pull up your bootstraps, get on with it yourself. So I right. just, I honestly think labels and tribes are incredibly problematic. And if you can figure a way to get away from them, then you're free to be yourself. And it's only when you're yourself and you set your own limits and your own labels—not even labels, but you know your own criteria—can you live an authentic um, life and not be. Someone who gets caught out because you supported, um, you know, Christine Blasey Ford and said believe all women, but then when Tara Reid comes along, you go, well, no, d- don't listen to her. It's not a genuine, you know, it's not not real, and 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 don't call yourself a Democrat. I, if I was living in America, there's no question I'd be independent. I would not attach myself to either party. I just I do not understand that because then it becomes tribal, and people go whatever it is, blue, no matter who. Wasn't that the one that came out? And I'm like, right. that's how you get Joe Biden, rather than right. a better choice.
2: Right. Yeah. So, that, yeah. He, here, here, here it ends. My, here, it here it ends. My
0: rant. Ugly. My rant is now finished. You're what? My rant. I'm ranting. Yeah. My rant no, is No, I
1: think you're right. I think you know one of the reasons it's really ugly in America is because, you know, everybody thinks they are exceptional, and and we're very individualistic and. We have a lot of, you know, we've been taught a lot of things that we're special, you know, and I think we're trying, we're getting into a process, this season, I guess, where we're realizing, you know, we're not special, you know, like we're just like everyone else. And I think that that's good for us. I think it's good for Americans to come back down to earth and join the rest of the world. Um, and, and it's just, but yeah, it's so ugly and tribal right now. And there's yeah. so much division and, um, that's, but it's like, that's another reason that, that Trump just like, it's so he is the king of division, you know, like he, that's his expertise is division Yeah, and chaos and confusion and, you know, growing up in a religious setting, who does that sound like? You know, the king of chaos, confusion, and dark is the king of darkness. Is Satan? You know, that's the way that we think of someone that divides. Like they, they, they thrive on dividing communities and nation. And he's divided our nation. Or it's not even necessarily like his fault. The, It's like his rise divided or it showed some divisions that were already there. I yeah, guess. yeah. You yeah. know, like, and so it's, I guess it's, it's easy to blame Trump, you know, but we get off focus when we realize that he is definitely the symptom of, the, of a problem. And he, we are, I think a lot about how our representatives, um, they're called our representatives for a reason because they represent (laughs) us they represent who we are and who we've become as a nation and you know that's why i kind of hate like reality tv and all that because it's taken it's taken us out of we don't know what reality is anymore you know and everybody is striving to keep up with the joneses because that's reality but it's not, you know, it's not reality at all, you know. So I, we, it's not really that surprising that Americans would elect a reality television star. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, who appears to have it all in many ways. Um, that Americans are very delu—we're very delusional in that sense, you know. We're very delusionized, I guess you could say, programmed, you know, and we're programmed in that way, so we, we, I think a big important thing is, too, is just a for us to come back down to the ground, to reality, and what is real, you know, it's really important, I think, right now to ask ourselves, you know, is this actually real, <laughs> you know, or is this something, a real, is this reality, or is this some conspiracy theory I was taught when I was, you know, 16, and I'm still, I still have those beliefs or some religious theory that's, you know, kind of out there and, and it conflicts with reality in kind of a dangerous way. Yep. You know, if that makes sense, you know, yeah, and I completely. think we're, we're the, the prosperity gospel, you know, is, is another thing that has caused Americans to get to where we are, you know, to where, you know, there's many christians will say that they voted him yeah the pro-life thing but also he's a businessman you know he's he can fix our economy you know he, he doesn't have to be a pastor or whatever you know he doesn't have to be a saint you know and so we've gotten kind of off focus i think you know because we we the the prosperity gospel is so intense in america mm-hmm. like it's so intense that it 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 hits everyone you know like it's even people that aren't don't claim faith at all you know it hits because it's all over the place yeah you know so it's it's pro we've been programmed in a lot of ways by both the republican and the democrat parties you know to to think certain ways and it's it's reached like i think it's reached its boiling point in 2020 where it's just like it's overflowing now, you know. Where and it's just it's ugly, you know. And it now what people are asking, you know, yes, we disagree on some things, but what can we do to unify America? And it's it's really difficult because it's 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 very ugly, you know. People hate. I mean, I, hate, I mean, hate each other on the different sides. Yeah, like it's, it's very, there's a lot of hate and, and there's, and there's a lot of, you know, lying about different, a lot of gossip and a lot of, you know, just confusion, chaos, division. And it's, it's, it's very difficult, you know, to know how to lead in such time as this politically, you know, because if we stay out of it, it's like, you're responsible, like, because you stayed out of it in. You know, now now you can't complain if you stay out of it. You know, you can't complain about, you know, the systems that we have if you totally just like, oh, I I throw my hands up, But you also are in a position where, you know, we're in a position where we must like be, we must unify. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And the Democrats totally handled it wrong, they did. And that's my opinion. You know, I don't know. I still think Biden would be a lot better of a president than Trump. But there are problems there. You the, know?
0: the And not to go back to the same conversation, but the uh, American political system on some levels needs to be burnt to the ground. It needs to be burnt to the ground and, and started up again. I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, disestablishing you know congress or the senate or anything but the the way it's done you know the idea that the um the the college electorate is still so important as opposed to the popular vote um is is off the chains wrong because it's not one person one vote so people are getting still to this day are getting you know um taxation without representation if they're getting more votes out there which is you know a huge part of the history of american independence sort of thing um and i wrote a piece recently talking about the only you know basically trump is burning it to the ground but what happens is in the uh, the gop gets to rebuild it as they like the bernie would have been the person on the other side that would have burned it to the ground not in the same way but to rebuild it whereas biden in there is basically going to pick up pieces of charred timber and try and remake the house because he's he's actively said we'll take it basically we'll go back to Barack's days and we'll just you know we'll we'll start again from there so he's going to pick up the burnt charred pieces of ground uh, timber off the ground and start refurnishing the house to be the same but still with all the burn marks on um, right. so so yeah I mean I, I I mean the the reason one of the reasons I'm so invested in the American political system is that old adage that uh, when America sneezes the world catches a cold so you know and perhaps a particularly appropriate analogy under this current coronavirus lockdown. Um, but uh, we're impacted by what happens over there. Um, right. So so it's one one of the reasons. The other reasons is, you know, especially with Trump, it's like a soap opera. It's kind of interesting to watch as well. It's amusing a lot of the time watching those press conferences and seeing people push back yeah, in. Yeah, it is
1: interesting. <laughs> um, it's very interesting.
0: What's inter- interesting from here, if I was living there, I think I'd be more... Uh, concerned and crying about what he does. But from this far away, it's, 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 interesting, but still.
1: Well, I think we, we, there's a lot of anxiety here all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people are very afraid.
0: Um, look, we've been chatting for an hour, but I just wanted to touch on one of the reasons I, you know, started following you and, and connecting with you is you have a, uh, if I can say a religious philosophy and ideology, a theological belief about where women are placed within the church and what they do. And you talk about breaking the glass steeple, obviously Mm -hmm. a reference to the breaking the grass glass ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously (laughs) I was going to say most sane people think I, I, and I, I love, I love when I Google your name that you get all, all these people writing about you like you're the most dangerous person in America I love it. It's hilarious, and 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 ble- bless their little hearts, you know that they that that you are such a dangerous person apparently in America at the moment because you say things like you know women should be able to speak in a church, you know yeah. like oh my goodness yeah. blow my brains, um but yeah I I I wonder if we can just sort of I mean I've got plenty of time obviously. Um, but kind of, so I, I want to touch on that before we wrap up basically is what I'm saying about mm-hmm. what, what happens in America what you see in America it's kind of the reason we got on to talk about and we've been chatting for an hour about other things which often happens which often <laughs> happens right. in this crazy podcast Never. but tell me a bit about the glass steeple and, and, and I, I described to you how Sarah described that um, she would be asked to come across to America to speak because the American ministers knew that they couldn't say what she could as someone mm-hmm. from offshore And a female from New Zealand who could say things that they couldn't because, you know, she does, she's not part of the system, sort of thing.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, Well, like I was, like I started to tell you in the beginning, I kind of grew up in the system, you know, and um, I didn't, I ended up going to Bible college because I wanted to be in ministry. Um, And after I went to college, I found. Um, I loved. I was actually starting to love school because I was finally, finally studying what I enjoyed, you know. And so um, I started kind of, you know, building my confidence back up and stuff from years and from years and years and years of feeling, you know, stupid and misunderstood. Um, So um, I ended up finishing um, my bachelor's degree and when I went to look for jobs in in my neck of the woods in my church religion my denomination and it would like say only men should apply for this job or you know we're looking for God's man for the job you know and it would just straight up say it and it was like how this really sucks because I couldn't find a job you know in ministry um I could have got a children's pastor job but I wasn't really that's not what I wanted to do Um, at that point, you know, I wanted to not necessarily be like some big lead pastor or anything, but I just wanted to be like a youth pastor or a college pastor or something, you know, um, or a woman's pastor, you know, a pastor of evangelism, you know, I just wanted to kind of, I didn't need to start high and mighty or anything. I just needed to do something that, you know, I thought that I would be gifted for. Mm -hmm. And that just was not a reality. Like I feel, I I finally got to a place where I realized that I was trying to climb a ladder that literally did not exist. Right. Um, and so I moved, I went to get my master's degree, still in denial, I guess, <laughs> um, in this, in theology in the same subject thinking, well, you know, um, if I get my master's degree, like maybe like a church will hire me. Cause I have more education than most men in the church. Or maybe I can be like a theology professor or something of that sort. Well, I graduated and I found myself actually um, demoted in my career. Like I was getting worse. My career was getting worse and worse and worse because I never was able to start it really. Like I always would take these like little teaching jobs at Christian schools and that's kind of how I got by and you know, one literally paid like twelve thousand dollars a year, like so that was the jobs reserved for women in ministry, you know, were these jobs at Christian and teaching jobs or um being a children's pastor. Right. And even in my and it, it was really weird too, because I was like, in my charismatic world, you know, we had more women preachers, but now I know they were just token preachers. Um and they weren't, it wasn't, I looked at them when I was young thinking there are all these women preachers, Mm. you know, but there there weren't, there were just a few. And most of them were not pastors of churches. They were, you know, evangelists and things. And so that was definitely a misconception for me, you know, because I did not realize how sexist the church is. Like I did it because they, it was, um, uh, again, another delusion, illusion, or delusion. Um, you could say, you know, growing up, sh- yeah, you can go to Bible school, you know, you mm. can be, a, you know, you can be a minister, you can be a preacher. And, you know, I didn't grow up in the Baptist world, so I didn't hear the extreme sexist theology as much. Um, and I was very, I was very sh- like strong in my, um, you know, approach as a teenager. So I was very favored by my youth pastor. So it was never, there was never really a time that before that, that I would have thought, you know, I was, we were being told in theory that women can do whatever they want, Mm -hmm. you know, but then when it actually came down to the practice of it, you know, it, we, it became clear that, no, you know, we obviously can't do whatever we want in this world, you know, and so I don't, I, I guess, um, I ended up doing, I ended up becoming a children's pastor for a couple years, um, just because I had to, you know, kind of thing. And then during that time is when I, uh, decided like, like that I kind of just had enough of the, the whole system and that I was going to fight it. And, and i was like i'm gonna you know and i had written my master's thesis on women in the first and second centuries of the early church yeah um so i had a tool you know i had something to offer the world you know that wasn't just story my you know like i had something that i worked on that i earned that i yeah yeah you know, something and that is not There has not been a lot of women out there that, you know, for putting their, you know, intelligence, their logical intelligence out into the world, you know? And so that's kind of what I did. And it, it just scared the crap out of a lot of people. It Mm. really did scare a lot of people. Like my, even my parents don't get it. Like, they're like, why are people so nasty towards you? And they they don't believe me like i'm like it's because they don't believe in women pastors
2: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: you know and and they 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 think it's because of like how like controversial my politics are even things i say, like other more controversial things i say but it it's not like i've figured out over the years that it really boils down to there is there's a group of people christians that truly Believe that you know that there is that it is sinful for a woman to be a pastor or um, a leader over a, a man if there's any men in the congregation. Basically,
0: when when I um, when I made this product, I was talking about before Elephant TV. Um, as I said, they're actually I've just I've put them up on my website for free if people want to check them out. If you go to patbrittenden.com, dot com. There's a tab there, I think, for Elephant TV, and go and have a look at it. And you can have a look at this exact episode when we talked about women in leadership, women in a position of authority. Um, sometimes a singular point is made, and that ends a debate. Um, a really good example is, I had one of my favorite podcasts I've done over the last couple of years was with a person who believed in the earth was flat, a flat earther. Um what? A a flat earther. People who think the earth is flat.
1: Oh, gotcha.
0: Yeah, my accent, sorry. Um, (laughs) And, you know, as soon as you see the sailboat like going over the horizon and disappearing, that conversation is over, right? That that conversation is finished because no matter what they talk about, perspective and refraction and stuff, the only way the boat disappears from the bottom up is because it's going over the horizon, So there was a singular point made that that ends that conversation. When we were filming this um, women in leadership uh, conversation, uh, the point that made me kind of go, oh, well, that debate's actually over, was when someone pointed out, I'm going to go back to my Catholic days a bit here. For people who don't know, there was a, a dude called Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament, and he wrote letters to churches if you're in the... Catholic Church it'll every time they do a, a message they talk about a, a letter from Paul to the Corinthians you know uh, and and within the kind of more evangelical church they just say Corinthians they don't talk about it being a letter from Paul but that's what it is there are some parts where Paul wrote about how women cannot preach and speak in churches but there are other places where Paul writes when a woman preaches or speaks or prophesies in church she has to cover her head in other mm-hmm. words when she does do it, she needs to be, you know, dressed in, an a, in a culturally appropriate way. But people seem to miss the bit when he's writing, when they do, do it. Right, and as exactly. soon as that point was made, I'm like, well, this debate is over. The the debate <laughs> is, I mean, look, it's over because people will cite Paul saying how women shouldn't preach in speech in, ter- in church. But he also says, when they do, do it this way. And I'm like, the, right, the, the exactly. co- it's finished. The, the, that, that, that. For people who then need to twist themselves into a pretzel to then argue about how that po- when he was talking to that, it didn't mean do it. And when he was, you know, it's pointless to me. And when I heard that, when I was sitting there hearing my my experts, my theologians speaking, I was like, well, this, this conversation's over. I mean, we didn't set up our little elephant TV to be a debate. There was no winner at the end. But from a perspective of, uh, you know, ideologies, that ended the conversation the right. sailboat had gone over the horizon there was no other explanation he writes about when you are speaking in a church do it this way conversation's over and i don't understand how people hold on to uh, any other perspective unless they're just lying to themselves and fooling themselves and it's like well know, yeah. i mean i'm not i'm not female so i guess i don't suffer the effects of it but it seems to me that that is a very simple way that the the issue is finished
1: Right. I just I think that, you know, no matter sometimes, no matter what you say on this issue, it's an issue of the heart. And if someone is sexist in their heart, then they want to see the scriptures in a certain way. Sure. And they want it to prove the way they feel. And that's ironic because that's the very same people that are like, you should never trust your feelings. Feelings (laughs) are bad, you know, kind of thing like and but yet. I think that they trust their feelings, you know, and trust their feelings on, you know, I feel that I'm better than a woman. So therefore the scripture should think that I'm better than a woman.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so In other I'm other kind, words I'm re- kind re- of
1: over it, to be honest, I'm kind of over the whole complimentarian versus egalitarian, um, you know, world and argument. Cause I'm just like, you know, we have been having this debate for, but, for since the seventies, um before I was even born, you know, we've been having this debate, and I'm just to the point where I'm just like like I still will give people my old articles that I've written on this, and you know, like like cause I wrote probably hundreds of apologetics type things arguing for egalitarianism, right, you know, and you know i'm but I'm to the point where I'm like, you know, let's charge forward. You know, let's, you know, forget about these. There are certain people that are never going to change their mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? They're not. And so let's just move forward and do ministry anyway and speak out anyway. And apparently that makes me a, a Jezebel. Dangerous.
0: <laughs> You're a dangerous woman. Um, Yeah. And, and I remember uh, it was, it might've been Ricky Gervais. It was some comedian talking about, you know, society being a train, and in the front, in the the front carriage, the people at the front were, you know, uh, the the scientists and the people trying to, you know, advance humanity. And then he went through the carriages, and at the, at the tail end of the train, I mean, I don't think he used this word, but you know, he talked about the mouth breeders, the people, mouth breathers. Sorry, the people who are basically, you know, problematic and fighting science and fighting, you know, uh, you know all the all the benefits and pluses we've made as humanity and i no. kind of sort of feel the same about the church on some level that's like you know those people who haven't got it just it's it's you know there'll be another generation of Dory micers that come along that want to try and convert them all and fight them all but actually i think i'd rather i'd rather help more people who are open to be helped whatever the word help means in this instance than try and battle to convince someone that that they've got it wrong. I mean, they're, they're, they, they've they got it wrong. I mean, ironically, the as you said, the same people who say don't trust your feelings, they're also the same people who often talk about being Bible literalists. You know, I literally believe everything in the Bible. Well, there you go. It says right there very clearly that women can speak and preach in church. Yeah, so I, I mean, I mean, even that, you know, Bible literalists, I always kind of have a little smirk when people say that because I ask them, do they think Jesus was literally a sheep? And they go no. And I said, but it says in the Bible literally he is a lamb. If you believe it literally, and so it's a lovely conversation right. that often we get to a point where we go, so you accept this metaphor, this simile, this poetry in the Bible. So that means where we disagree is what I think is metaphor, and what you think is metaphor. But neither of us literally believe everything in the Bible, because no, exactly. they're yeah. So so it's a it's a it's a. Uh, I won't say comedic way, but it's a light-hearted way of being able to break down, break down that wall. It's another one I always. Maybe you can, maybe you can tell me from your perspective. I always like people talking to people who, who use that kind of phrasing about literally, and I always ask them about Noah's Ark. Um, and my one question about Noah's Ark that I don't think anyone's ever answered is, what all the animals in the world are on Noah's Ark? What did the animals eat when they came? off the ark what do the carnivores eat because if all the animals in the world were on the ark
2: mm-hmm.
0: so the lions and the hyenas and the all these things come off the ark what did they eat because surely for the next six months the only animals on the face of the planet according to that story were only the animals off the ark what right. did they what did they eat what did the carnivores eat for the first six months i'm like i i people then tend to go into um, uh, opinion-based. And I'm like, well, yeah, but the, the the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say they ate fish. It doesn't say they were um, vegetarians. I've heard that one before for six months. And it's just a way of kind of going, well, you know, maybe these stories have other perspectives to them. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm never trying, I'm never trying to convince anyone, but maybe. Maybe we could be open up to a conversation that these, um, some of these stories are, allegorical maybe there they have other meanings behind them maybe some of them are literal maybe in, in your opinion or maybe some of them are metaphorical but right. yeah what did the what are all the carnivores yeah. eat for six months after they got off the ark that's what i'm that's the one question i'd like to know
1: well, i just i mean i i've kind of leaned towards um a lot of the old testament stories being being metaphorical and that's something that i would have fought you on tooth and nail in, in <laughs> seminary
2: what would you what would had heard
1: you say, say that I think you weren't a Christian
0: <laughs> what would you have said though I mean what would be the? I mean back then what would what would the response have been
1: well I would I probably wouldn't have said anything like i i I remember for example um in class I remember one of my friends saying that and I okay. just bit my tongue because I didn't you know, I don't think I really like knew how to argue about it. Like, I just knew what I believed and was taught, you know, and uh, I wasn't ready to think that way yet. Right. You know, I wasn't ready to think that way yet. Um, But I hadn't gone through the life experiences to understand yet that a lot of these stories are very similar in their principles in their what they're trying to like I feel like I'm in Noah's Ark right now in this pandemic like yeah you know like I'm stuck inside you know like there's there's a lot of like you know uncertainty there's a lot of fear there's a lot of you know so I think some of these stories are meant to they're meant to help us in times like this and it doesn't mean that it has to all be taken super literally you know like in order for it to have value and importance and even go as far as be god's word it doesn't have to be literal it can be symbolic and it can still encourage us um and actually those of us that are very logical like it actually might encourage us more to see these as um you know, metaphorical stories versus literal stories that literally happened yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all you're gonna do is sit there and scratch your head and like kind of come up with questions like, you know, well, what did the that, you know what did they eat? You know, because you know, I don't know if they're meant to be thought of in that way. You know, I, I think they are story. They they're they're important narratives, like how Jesus told parables. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. same same thing like Jesus told barely he didn't speak literally very often. you know he he spent most of his time telling stories because humans, that's how we learn best mm-hmm. is through stories. So I really think that all these stories, most of these stories are you know that they're they're lessons for us that, and they're, they're they're eternal lessons, they're lessons that will never, you know, fade if we see them met- metaphorically. I,
0: I think um, th- what you just talked about sitting in seminary, I think that make, makes me maybe think that we could finish up on one point, which is I think one of the, and I don't want this to feel like it's a let's slam the church kind of podcast. It's not that. Um, but I think one of the things that the church needs to understand is I don't know is actually an okay answer you know like like i think a lot of the time you know people who have quote unquote access to absolute authority or absolute knowledge feel like they always have to be able to explain something and actually i don't know is an okay answer i I don't know um but i also think what's really important that when someone says i don't know that doesn't if if two people are talking and one person has a very strong opinion Or a perspective or ideology and the other person is I don't know, saying I don't know doesn't also therefore mean that means you're right. I think a lot of the time when there's two people talking or two ideologies talking and one ideology has an absolute answer and the other ideology is "I, I don't know the answer to that, saying I don't know, and this is something that people need to learn to be more comfortable with that phrase, doesn't mean therefore I default to your answer saying i don't know doesn't mean you're correct and i don't know it just means i don't know well, I, I don't know if you're right but it just means simply i i don't uh, and right. i think that's one of the things that perhaps um i don't know say the world of science but when you see these kind of horrible debates of christian versus atheist i think they're pointless those things but when you see them and the, and they ask about life before the big bang and the um the 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 atheist goes we don't know that therefore doesn't mean that you get to default to the other answer. It's it's not the case. I de- I don't know is a really important thing to be comfortable with saying. Um, and if you feel like you need to answer all of the questions, then actually your strength of conviction is in what you think is the truth, rather than you know perhaps what's important. So. Well, yeah,
1: was, I think that. It's very difficult when our beliefs are challenged, if we're not secure in ourselves and secure in, you know, in our beliefs, really, you yeah. know, if we feel any sense of insecurity in our beliefs and someone challenges it, then it's easy to rise up in emotion, you know, and, and debate and fight it out and all that, but with theology, it, I just, a lot of that. I've learned to let go of because theology is, is so mysterious. And as soon as you think, you know, all the answers, you don't know any of the answers. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, being a lover of theology, it makes you, you know, question your existence, you know, five times a day. So like, it's just so, um, it's open minded for open-minded people. And unfortunately, yeah it's not been that way for a very long time in certain circles in America where, and we've been, you know, people are so closed minded about their beliefs in a lot of ways. And it's because I think um, it's just a deep, you know, insecurity because these beliefs are not true. A lot of these beliefs are not true. Mm. There's no fact behind them, you know? And so of course you're going to feel a little insecure about your beliefs. You know, if you've never really even experienced, that you know like just something you've been taught and there's no fact to support it, then you know, you're gonna put the hear about it. So I think like I think there are certain beliefs worth, you know, standing up for for sure. You know, but yeah, I'm really learning a lot about perspective too, like you mentioned that earlier and just how every single person has their own unique perspective. Yeah. And I That kind of gets on my nerves, to be honest, because <laughs> I'm like, how are we supposed to ever all get on the same page if we all think differently and we're made to think differently, you know, and it's, it's very it's almost like, you know, God put us on this earth, all different puzzle pieces, and we're meant to figure out how it all goes together, you know, and that's impossible to do if you think you're right about everything. Yeah, you know, and I, yeah. as a recovering know-it-all, like Sarah bessie says, you know, she says she's a recovering. I'm also a recovering know-it-all as well. <laughs> you know, I've learned that if you really want the truth, that you will seek it. You know, you will seek a lifelong seeker of truth. You know, you'll keep looking for it. Yeah. Your whole yeah. life, really. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think look, it's 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 time for us to, to wrap up. It's been a blast, but I think just to wrap from my side, what you've just said um, about always being right, it's I, I I keep talking about I wrote a piece. It's like I very really blog, but when I, I wrote a piece, that talked about um, intelligent debate versus ideology, and I think f- forget religious conversations, but we would um, I think most of us would accept that we're not right all the time. You know, most of us would accept that. Uh, when we're having a conversation or a debate or an argument or whatever, uh, we're not always going to be right. So therefore that means sometimes we're wrong. And the idea of intelligent debate versus ideology is typically ideologists, zealots, have one perspective and they always think they're right. But if we know that logically there's times we're wrong, that this might be the argument where you don't have all the answers and perhaps this might be the time where you you can't have a 100% strike rate. There's going to be some times where your ideology is in Everyone
1: thinks they're, they're, they're an expert in everything in, yeah. in America. And I don't know how it is there, but that's why there's so much disrespect for scientists. And, you know, nobody... They put scientists on the same level with trauma, you know? Yeah. like it, It's just people don't... Res- not everyone. There's obviously a lot of people that do, but people, you know, they... We're losing we're losing unity in a common truth, you know, a common person are we're, we're losing a common perspective, you know? So as, as much as uh, the only way to have these conversations is to really get real with yourself, you know, and really get honest with yourself and, and say, what, what am I actually good at? You know, what do I actually know about, you know, where, where's my expertise? And I think when you start to really build your your own expertise up, that insecurity starts going away, and it's more comfortable to say, "I don't know," you know, "I don't know everything," you know, that that's not my expertise. Yeah, and I think that that would living humbly um, would help us a lot in this culture.
0: <laughs> hey, um, we're done. I think that's a great place to finish. I think I want to say, right. why don't you just quickly tell us you know websites and stuff you've got a website for breaking the for the uh, glass steeple, if people want to find out more about you, what you do, who you are, where can they go visit?
1: Yeah, um you can find my blog at jorymica dot com j o r y m i c a h dot com and um all my social media is right on that website i'm on facebook instagram twitter i have a couple videos on youtube but i don't really catch up i don't really do a lot of youtube but um i do a lot of social media um so check me out it's been fun talking to you
0: yeah jory thanks for thanks for um agreeing to come and have a chat and i appreciate your time appreciate you and let me just say for all the people out there who think you know women shouldn't speak and preach in church i've learned a lot from you today uh, and I appreciate that you've had uh, 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 time to reflect with me and speak to me and me to learn off you. I think it's really important and I really enjoyed it. So thanks again.
1: Thank you so much,
0: Sam. I feel the same. Alrighty team, that's us done and dusted. Uh, we have uh, a lot coming up in the next few weeks. The easiest way to find out what's coming up next is just to head to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash uh d e p t of conversation uh d e p t of conversation or just head to our uh domain which is uh the doc dot nz um for people who uh were talking in the live stream about those resources i was talking about that we had made uh the product is called elephant tv we made four episodes we made one on war one on same-sex marriage, one on evolution, and one on uh, women in leadership. Uh, we kind of just put the question out there to church-type people, where do you sit on this and had a panel discussion about it? Um, so you can find those. Uh, we do have a URL. It's www.elephant.tv, but I think that might still be pointing to our old site. So the best thing to do, to go do is go to my site, which is patbrittenden.com, B-R-I-T-T-E-N-D-E-N, Pat brittenden.com and on the page there is a, a tab with Elephant TV and all four episodes are there and they're online and they're free. You can also just go to YouTube and look up Elephant TV and you'll, you'll find it that way as well. Alright team uh, check out who's coming up in the next few days and weeks by heading to uh, www.thedoc.nz uh, stay safe wash your hands, hug a loved one watch something on the telly that makes you laugh and until we see you next time, Roo.